please uh, open to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, um, we thank you for the joy and the privilege that it is to read your words. To read the account of your son Jesus, whom you sent to be our Lord and Savior. We thank you for that. God, will you help us to, uh, to focus in these next minutes on who you are and what you are sharing with us through your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, um, uh, I'm also an instructor pilot on base, and so uh, forgive me, but as I prepare sermons, a lot of my life experience involves um, flying and teaching people how to fly. So uh, that's where we're going to start. Um, there's, there's a really important aspect of, of getting your wings, uh, of being called a pilot, and a, and a danger in losing your wings when the Air Force says, um, maybe we made a mistake and let's go ahead and take those back and now you can't be a pilot. There's a big danger that sometimes gets overlooked in pilot training and that is the taxi plan. Uh, for those of you that don't know, uh, when you land, then you have to make a whole bunch of turns to get to where you're parking. Uh, sometimes, you know, when you're on an airline, you, you sit in the back and it just seems like forever, and sometimes it is forever. But some of the time, like some of the time, the plans are very complicated for particular fields, and especially when you're flying with students. You know, they land the plane, and it's like, ah, oh, I did it, I did it, and then I have to be like, oh, dude, you're not done. Like, you got to find a way to get to the parking spot. Like, you, you, like now. Is, is when it becomes really important. And I try to tell them, you know, one of the fastest ways to lose your wings once you got them is having a taxi incident. By, by hitting something because you're not paying attention, by turning on the wrong way and like causing a conflict for the airfield, uh, th those things become pretty major. Especially when you think about you got big old wings on some of those planes out there. If you turn down the wrong way, you might be scraping along a building. I mean, there's, there's a lot of problems that could happen, okay? So I always tell them, you got to have a good plan. Don't, don't like, only think about the flight and then not think about the taxi. It's important. And you can almost see the relief on a student's face. When we go into an airfield and they're unfamiliar, they don't know the airfield, which they're, they're unfamiliar with every airfield, but uh, when they go into an airfield and they're unfamiliar and they provide a follow me truck, you can almost see the relief. It's literally a truck with a big sign that says, follow me on the back, that's flashing. And it just flashes over and over. Follow me, follow me. And sometimes, you know, the, the ground controller will hear the, uh, the, the nerves in, in the person's voice on the radio, and they'll be like, just, just follow the follow me truck. <laughs> just follow the follow me truck. And, and then they go, and, and they just follow the truck, and you can see the relief come over them. Our walk as Christians, it's a little bit like that. It's a little bit like that because we're invited to join Jesus on a journey of discipleship with other believers. And when Jesus makes his first call to disciples, he says, follow me. Follow me. And sometimes in our lives, um, we focus on things that are important. 
but they aren't Jesus. And when we begin to focus on those things, and we take our eyes off of Jesus, we lose sight of that follow-me truck. We begin to turn down wrong paths. So that's what we're going to talk about a little bit today. The beginning of discipleship. What does it mean to follow Jesus? So Mark chapter 1, we'll be in verses 14 to 20. And you'll recall, uh, we talked about... um, the Gospel of Mark and the, the background history of it. Uh, we talked about uh, the temptation of Jesus just last week and his preparation for ministry and, and how we can expect to be tempted the, uh, in similar ways uh, and how to be able to uh, resist that temptation. Before that, uh, we talked about uh, John the Baptist and that he was different and that we need to be different. And, and there's a responsibility for us to be different and be able to call a nation that is lethargic about who God is the same way that John the Baptist was different and was calling back Israel to see God again. And now we come to verse 14. And as we look at our text, we're going to see a progression. And what you're going to see is the call to follow. You're going to see the commission And we're going to talk about the consequences of following. And when I say discipleship, what I'm talking about is following Jesus obediently. That's what we're talking about in discipleship. So uh, let's take a look. Uh, Verse 14, chapter 1. Now after John, that's John the Baptist, had been taken into custody, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of God. And saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Pretty simple message. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. This idea of the kingdom of God would have been understood to refer to the messianic arrival. The arrival of the Messiah. There's this idea of rulership within the nation of Israel, and they are, they are awaiting the Messiah to, to liberate them from, uh, from oppression, but also lead them in the way that they are to go. That is what the Israelites are, are longing for and waiting for. And Jesus says this. He says, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. It's like he's saying the kingdom of God is right here. It's right here, and it's right now. And they would have understood he's talking about the Messiah. And the Messiah was supposed to be someone that would uh, fulfill the Davidic role. And when I say that, I'm talking about King David. The Messiah was going to come in the line of King David and rule Israel. So that's what he's talking about here. Repent and believe in the gospel. Repent and believe in the gospel. You see this idea of uh, repentance and, and believing here. Uh, John the Baptist called people to repent. Uh, later, the disciples will be commissioned to, uh, to go and preach repentance and belief. And this idea of, uh, of, of changing one's mind about, about who Jesus is, who God is, and believing the good news of Jesus Christ is core. It's essential to the disciples' message, to Jesus' message. It needs to be essential to our message, to the world as well. See, 
There is good news in the gospel. That's what gospel means, right? Uh, I know you guys know this. We have a pretty studied group here. But the gospel means good news. It means good news. So what is the good news? It's not that um, God will, you know, make you rich. It's not that God will, will make everything better in your life. Um, he can and he does but the good news is that there is hope of salvation in Christ the good news is that you can you can free yourself from the bondage of sin and sin is uh, disobedience from God sin removes you from the presence of God in this life and for eternity the good news is that the Son of God has come to deal with sin and death once and for all. And that message is always relevant. It will always be relevant. You don't need to try to doctor it up and pretty it up because it's a thing of the past. People will always want to know that they have been forgiven and that their sins have been dealt with, and that they do not need to fear death. But I'm, I'm digressing just a little bit. His message is simple. His message is simple. But let's take a look at the call of the disciples. Here's the first call of the disciples in the Gospel of Mark. This is what he says, uh, verse 16. As he was going along by the sea of Galilee... He saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net in the sea, for they were fishermen. Now, Simon, obviously, a lot of us know him to be Peter. That's probably the more common name that we would know, but, but that's who Simon is here. So Simon and Andrew, brothers, they're fishermen, they're on, they're, uh, they're on the sea, and they're, and they're throwing the net, and he sees them. And as I was preparing, this is what I thought about. See, the, the call and, and uh, the commission of believers... It, it begins, it commences the journey of discipleship, uh, of, of following after Jesus Christ. And here in this call, it starts off with Jesus sees them. I just, I read that as I was preparing, and I immediately thought of the story of Hagar. To refresh your memory, um, Hagar was a uh, was a servant woman in the household of, uh, of Abraham. And you can go back and read this particular section uh, in Genesis chapter 16 if you'd like to. But um, to shorten it, things happen, <laughs> as they often do, and, and she flees. She flees the household of Abraham, and she goes into the wilderness. And she's in the wilderness, and she's alone. She's scared. She doesn't know what to do. And it says the angel of the Lord comes to her, speaks with her, encourages her, helps to guide her on what she should do, which is actually to go back to the house. And her response is, you are the God who sees. You are the God who sees me. And Jesus saw these disciples. And Jesus sees you. And he sees me. He will see us in the desert. 
He will see us in times of need. He will see us in times of great joy. Some people think that uh, they can't answer the call or uh, they don't know how to respond to Jesus because how, how could he possibly understand who I am, what I've done with my life? He, he already knows. He sees you. And he calls to you as well. And look at the call that he has here of Simon and Andrew. He just says, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. Now, a couple of things that I really want us to notice here. Follow me. It's actually a, a, a technical phrase, okay, uh, within this time. It really means to go behind me, and it means to go behind me as a disciple. This is, this is a phrase that, that, um, uh, that they probably would have recognized in that way. Jesus is saying, follow me, be my disciples. That, that's, that's really what he is saying. And some things that I want you to notice. At that time, you know, boys would start their religious training, you know, sometime around uh, maybe between 10 and 13 is possible, right? And they would continue uh, training under a rabbi. They would seek out a rabbi, and they would continue training until about the age of 30, and then they would start to minister themselves and, and, and take on their own disciples. Here, here's the interesting thing. Um, they only continued in training if they uh, were smart enough and if they were you know, in the right system. They were found to be uh, someone that could be poured into by a rabbi you know, uh, over and over again, or they would go and, and work elsewhere. We don't know uh, the exact age of the disciples. We, we think we know uh, a, a pretty good age, but it's possible that these disciples uh, went to be under a rabbi and were now working in, in their trade of being fishermen. So it's possible. It's not a definite thing, but the thing that I want to point out is this. People would seek out the rabbis to follow. Jesus is the one that seeks out the disciples here. Do you guys like know how cool that is? If you think about it, um, mentorship is a, is a wonderful thing in our lives. But oftentimes the way that it works is someone seeks out a particular mentor. Or, or, or uh, um, someone wants to learn from, you know, from... Um, from someone with a good reputation, and so they seek them out, right? Uh, the people will go to universities to study, un study under uh, specific professors. What if like the top professor in the world in a field comes to you and is like, hey, I wanna teach you everything I know. I wanna like live with you, we're gonna have meals together, and I'm gonna teach you everything that I know. And you're like, I'm just a fisherman, dude. You know? And he's like, I oh, know. Let's go. That's a pretty remarkable thing. It's very remarkable. But Jesus sees them where they are and asks them to follow. He asks them to follow. I love it. Uh, look uh, a little bit further down 
at the, uh, at the call that he gives to the next disciples uh, in uh, verse 19. It says, going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were also in the boat mending nets. Immediately he called them, and they left their nets. So you have the first two disciples, Andrew and, and Simon Peter, and they're on the water, they're on the sea, the Sea of Galilee, and you have um, James and John, the second two, that are in the boats. Now, I, I don't know if, if this was intentional, but I do recognize things that occur in the Bible that I think are pointing to something pretty unique. And this is one of those cases. See, he calls the disciples, right? And where does he call them out of? He calls them out of the sea. And in that time, the sea was um, often used in imagery, uh, even in the Old Testament, for like chaos, death, despair. There, there was a fear of the sea. It was tumultuous. And he calls them out of that. To follow him. And he tells them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. I'm going to teach you to fish people out of the sea. And if you continue to read the story of discipleship throughout Mark, which we will, probably for a while, but if you continue to read the, the story of discipleship in Mark, that's what you see. You see the disciples beginning to walk in Jesus' footsteps, including becoming people who call people away from the chaos, the death, the fear that this world can bring, and to follow Jesus. I just think that's an amazing picture. So as we consider the call, you have four disciples here, and it says that they left. They answered the call and chose to follow Jesus. I think the question is pretty clear as you read this. Are you going to answer the call? Are you going to follow Jesus? Mark doesn't have to ask that question to make you think it. This is a natural thing that happens when we read a story. We begin to see ourselves in stories. And so that's a question that we have to ask ourselves. Am I going to follow Jesus? Am I following him now? We'll come back to that. Let's look at the commission. The commission. I will make you fishers of men. And the response of uh, James and John Immediately he called them and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and they went away to follow him. See, the commission is, is um, not only to follow Jesus, which also means uh, patterning your life after what Jesus did. It also means that you're supposed to continue. What if they followed Jesus, were obedient to him, but they chose not to continue to reach out and pull people out of the sea? 
What if they followed Jesus and didn't continue to disciple people, didn't continue to share the gospel? They just stopped in that moment. They wouldn't be fulfilling the commission that Jesus gives them. And we know the Great Commission, right, at, at, the, end of, uh, at the end of Matthew. Go, therefore, and make disciples. And the really cool thing about that is it's not just a, a charge to us, but there's a promise, too, where Jesus says, I will be with you to the end of the age. See, when we are uh, called to follow Jesus and we begin this journey of discipleship where we follow him and we are commissioned uh, to continue on that journey, we also know we have the promise that he's with us. And we have to hold, we have to hold dear to that. We have to hold dear to that. So the commission of Jesus to continue to share the gospel, to continue to disciple people, we have to ask ourselves, how are we doing in that? Are we continuing our own discipleship? Are we continuing in the body of Christ and discipling others? Are we reaching out to find the people that are, uh, that are lost at sea, that are trapped in their sin? and declaring to them the good news of Jesus Christ. That he has died on their behalf. That they no longer have to, have to struggle. They no longer have to try to find a way on their own. That God himself has come to free them from that bondage. How are we doing at sharing that good news? Um, I want to fast forward just a little bit in the book of Mark. Okay, turn, turn. Uh, it should be just a few pages uh, to Mark chapter eight. And here, there's a moment where we see the commission at work. Okay, where we see the call and the commission in the in the in the progress of Peter's life. Simon Peter here. Jump to verse uh, twenty-seven. And this, uh, I, I, I'm going to summarize, but I'll give you this picture. It's a wonderful picture. Uh, uh, after the, the feeding uh, of the people, um, the, Jesus is walking along uh, with his disciples, and they're in Caesarea Philippi. And, and for you to see this picture, uh, Caesarea Philippi is well known for, um, for having idols all along this rock wall, right? Uh, there's just... Um, they're almost like uh, drawn in and carved in, and, and, the, and some of them are huge and some of them are small. And uh, if you ever see a picture of it, it's just, it's just idols all along this wall. And that's the setting. That's the setting where this happens. And I think that's so powerful because uh, what happens? Um, the disciples begin to talk to Jesus and say, who are you? Like, We've been walking with you. We see these miracles. Uh, we are following you um, as our discipler, but uh, there's so many questions, and so many people are saying so many things about who you are and what's going on, and Jesus uh, looks at them and says, well, who do you say I am, right? And Peter ends up answering, and he says, you are the, the Christ. You are the Messiah. Score one for Peter. All right, good job, Peter. You got that right. And, and then Jesus moves into this um, teaching where he begins to teach them that uh, the Son of Man, verse 31, he began to teach them that the Son of Man 
must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. And he was stating the matter plainly and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. The disciple took the discipler aside to rebuke him. And turning around, Jesus sees his disciples and he rebukes Peter and says, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on God's interests, but man's. See, Jesus invited Peter in chapter 1 to come after me. Come behind me. Follow me. And this is the first description in the Gospel of Mark that Jesus uh, tells the disciples what's going to happen to him in terms of the passion, that he is going to suffer. It's the first time. And Peter's response is, I, I don't think I'm going to stay behind you. I'm going to get right in front of you. I'm going to pull you to the side. And now I'm going to tell you how it should be. And what does Jesus say to him? Get behind me. Get behind me. See, I, I think in, in our walk, when we answer the call and we begin to follow Jesus, when we take our minds off of God's interests and we put our minds on man's interests, humanity's interests, we can get in front of God. We can get in front of Jesus. And we're no longer following. We're no longer following. But now we're trying to, to tell Jesus the way that it should be. This is an example right here of Peter doing that. That is a real danger. We have to make sure we are following behind Jesus. Walking in his footsteps. And this, by the way, this is not a how-to sermon. This is not a how-to sermon because Mark sets up the journey of discipleship and you see the call here for the first time in chapter one. And it takes the rest of the chapters to show the journey of discipleship. That's the idea of the book of Mark. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ as Messiah through the perspective of him as the servant. And it also shows the disciples' journey along with Jesus. So if you're reading this for the very first time, you may, you, you may read chapter 1 and, and not know. Not know what's coming up. The disciples obviously didn't know. And that creates a little bit of fear in us sometimes. But as Jesus reveals what's going to happen, Peter moves ahead of him and tries to, no, 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 that's not the way it's going to go. Let's go over here. And Jesus has to remind him, get behind me. You get behind me. That's going to be true in our own lives as well. When we don't understand what's happening, when we're, we're not sure of the way to go, we have to remember to follow Jesus. And, and the way you learn how to follow Jesus is by reading the word, seeing what's been revealed 
and the word of God and trying to follow that. Um, can you put the slide up, Renee? Thanks. We don't usually have slides during our sermons, but I, I want you to see something here that uh, the call to follow Jesus, the first call of the disciples, is linked, is linked with the first prediction of the passion. The call to follow Jesus is linked. It's linked with suffering. You see uh, that the language is so close. He, he names four disciples in the first call, and it says that he turns to his disciples in the prediction of the passion. He speaks to them both. He says, come after me. And he says to Peter, get behind me. Get behind me. They followed after him. And then he goes into his teaching that if anyone, if anyone chooses to follow after me, they have to what? Deny themselves, take up their cross. Right? What does he say? If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And follow me. Following Jesus obediently involves sacrifice. And it involves suffering. Here's, the journey of discipleship is to follow Jesus on that journey. And you have to remember that, yes, the journey leads to the glory of God. But it passes through the cross. Do not lose sight of that. As we walk with Jesus, we have to remember that there will be difficult times. There will be hard times. But it's our job to walk obediently with him. To abide in him. To continue to follow him and not try to get in front of him. So, that's the cost that we need to consider. And we have to, we have to think about that often. We have to consider the cost of discipleship. Not just when we're starting out, but, but every day. Consider the cost. And I, I'm not, I don't want to be all doom and gloom. There's amazing things about being on a journey with Jesus. But I think sometimes we, we, we want to we think about it as this uh, just light and feathery thing when it's like, it's heavy. It's deep. You are literally commissioned to reach out to lost souls, to people that don't know God, and call them away from a life of death toward the everlasting life that is found in Christ. It's not only about uh, making your marriages awesome or um, having really cool music that you can sing along with in the car or, um, you know, praying for your favorite sports team. Not that anybody's going to do that, but, you know, I mean, right? Like, there's, there are so many things that we try to wrap up within this Christian life, but... The, it barely scratches the surface of what's actually the most important thing. And the call to follow Jesus is not 
um, hey, be my disciple, and um, I'm just going to be another uh, file folder in, in your file cabinet of life. Yeah, I, we still use file cabinets a little bit. For those of you that don't know, before uh, you could keep files in your computer, you would print them out and keep files in like a filing cabinet, okay? The, the life, uh, the, the journey with Christ is like this. Sometimes we want to just have a little file, and, and that's our Jesus file, right? And we, and we put stuff in there. Yeah, I go to church. I do, I do the Bible study. I give uh, to, to the church. I, I uh, um, you know, I pray. I listen to my worship music. And that's my Jesus file. But I got all my other files too, like work, kids, school, politics. And sometimes we think that those files are separate. The thing about following after Jesus is Jesus is like, uh uh, I, I am the file cabinet. All of the files of your life are supposed to fold into who he is. There isn't a single thing about your life that Jesus doesn't touch and say, this is mine. Are you willing for it to be mine? So as we start to wrap up, I, I have a, a, a couple of applications for us. The first is simply this, and it really just depends on where you are with God. Because I don't know personally where everyone's at. Some of you have talked with me, but I don't know, every, you know everybody's situation. So first I'll just say, have you answered the call? Are you choosing to respond to God and, and, and join Jesus on the journey of discipleship? Have you repented and placed your faith in the gospel of Christ? Because if you haven't, if, if you feel like you haven't been called by God, this is it. Yeah. Right now. If you hear my voice, God is calling to you. And Jesus is saying, follow me. Follow me. And if you want to talk more about what that looks like, or you want to talk about how to do that, Please, come talk to me after. Talk to uh, Pastor Joe, Pastor Steve. Talk to your brothers and sisters that are in this room that are on that journey already. Because we're supposed to do this together. So that's the first thing. Second thing is this. If you've been following Jesus for a while, and you uh, decided to, you know, get like a little chair, put it off to the side and just kind of have a seat and relax for a while. I'm asking you, will you get off your chair and start following again? And I really mean that. Because there are things about following Jesus that um, challenge us. And sometimes we meet those challenges and sometimes we let those challenges sideline us for a little bit. I don't, and I don't know what it is in your life. Maybe you've been, uh, maybe you've been feeling like God is calling you to be a, a part of uh, the community of God a little bit more. 
Maybe you're someone that just goes to church on Sundays and, and doesn't get involved in any other way um, with the body of believers. And there's so many things that we do uh, um, that, that you can get involved in. There's uh, youth group, there's women's group, there's men's groups, there's uh, groups that meet at homes, there's groups that meet at the church. Um, there's a ton. There's a ton that you can do to get involved. Uh, or maybe God's been asking you to, um, to, to be generous with what he's given you. And you've been resistant to do that. There's an aspect of, uh, of giving that is a part of this journey of discipleship. And I'm only thinking about that because of, uh, you know, Steve's, uh, Steve's report during announcements. Maybe there's a really hard conversation that God has been putting on your heart to have with someone. And you've been resistant I hope this will be a day that you say, I'm going to start to follow again. I'm going to start to walk after Jesus. As I was, as I was preparing this, I, I thought about this. Um, now, I don't know what it's called. I get crew, maybe. Uh, the, uh, the rowing, is that whatever. The, the long boat with a ton of people in it that are all facing the wrong direction and, and rowing, and yet they go in straight lines, and if you ever see, like, the elite athletes doing this, like, you don't want to watch me do it. It's not, it would not be pretty. But uh, the elite athletes, they are all in sync, and they all have to do things ex at exactly the right time, and they get those boats going fast. I mean, it, it, is, it, is, a, it is a spectacle to watch. Here's the really interesting thing. They're facing the wrong way. They, they're rowing and they're going backwards. How do they know where they're going? There's a guy. That's right, Sandy. There's a guy that's sitting in front of them at the back of the boat, which I would love to be this guy. But he's got a big old horn, right? I don't know what they actually say, but I'm assuming it's like, row, row. <laughs> Row harder! I don't, I don't know. But he, he gives them the timing. He gives them the timing, right? He's watching where they're going. And they're in sync. They're in unison. And it's just a beautiful thing to watch. Because they're not all going their separate ways. They're not doing different things. They're all in sync under one purpose because they are following that one person. Folks, the journey of discipleship is like that. We need to answer the call. We need to understand the cost. But we need to continue to row according to how Jesus calls us, not according to what we want to do. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, um, I thank you for uh, your grace and your mercy. I thank you that you, you call us and you challenge us and, and, and you give us guidance on what we are supposed to do as believers.
Oh God, I, I just ask that you, would, that you would help us to see the ways in which we try to get in front of you. Help us to, to stay behind Jesus. Help us to follow after him. Help us to model our lives according to his. Help us to encourage our brothers and sisters and how we can do that together. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.